Life's better with American Family Insurance because our home policies help protect your dreams and come with peace of mind. Save up to 25% by bundling home, auto, and life. American Family Insurance. Get a quote, find an agent at amfam.com. Products not available in every state. Discounts may not apply to all coverages on an auto or home policy. Discounts do not apply to life insurance policies. Visit Amfem.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating companies, American Family Life Insurance Company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin, And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleh Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take DC. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Oh, hi, I'm Rachel Zoe, and my podcast, Climbing in Heels, is back and better than ever. You might know me from The Rachel Zoe Project or perhaps from my work as a celebrity stylist. And guess what? I'm still just as obsessed with all things fashion, beauty, and business. Climbing in Heels is all about celebrating the stories of extraordinary women, and this season is here to bring you a weekly dose of glamour, inspiration, and fun. Listen to Climbing in Heels every Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to Stuff from the Science Lab from HowStuffWorks.com. Hey guys, and welcome to the podcast. This is Allison Mattermilk, the science editor at HowStuffWorks.com. And this is Robert Lamb, science writer at HowStuffWorks.com. Allison, do you know what April 18th is? I have a sneaking suspicion. Yes, it is Velociraptor Awareness Day, or at least that's what the the internet tells us. It's kind of picking up as a like an inter- internet sensation, kind of a deal, kind of like one of those meme things. Uh, it's all over Facebook. There, there's a few pages up about it, and lots and lots of followers. People are getting excited about it. They're friending it. They're saying they like it, and other people are liking that. You know, all the stuff that goes on. People Facebook. are pretty into the raptors. No, I don't think they have any other dinosaur appreciation days, do you? No, they? not that I know of. This is special because the Velociraptor is a special dinosaur. This is a this is a hip dinosaur. This and, is not a Diplodocus or anything. Stegosaurus. And a lot of people think Velociraptors are pretty special, so we've decided to vote this podcast to said dinosaur. Yeah, we're just going to talk about some of the awesome things about the Velociraptor that you should be aware of for your awareness day. Um most people are familiar with Velociraptors pretty much from Jurassic Park. I think that's really what set it off. Michael Crichton's novel and the subsequent three, four, at least three films. More on the way. But basically, this is the smaller dinosaur in uh, Jurassic Park. Not the tiny one, but the, the smaller villainous dinosaur. They're, uh, about, uh, they would tend to be like five feet long, uh, stand, depending on how they're stooping, like three feet tall or up to like five, you know? Um, you know, sort of a longish neck, uh, long tail, long tail, kind of an evil birdish head. Um, 
not super tiny front arms, but, you know, some smaller front arms. And then their feet terminate in these 3.5-inch retractable claws, like huge talons. Uh, and that's where really all the fun is uh, because uh, they're, like, carrying into things with those, right? Through the whole movie, and also in the movie, they uh, they're they're super smart, right? They're they're um, they're opening doors, and uh, and Sam Neill's talking about how they're as smart as chimpanzees, and then there's that awesome scene where like the really um, um, like cool hunter is gonna gonna shoot one, right? Uh uh no, he's not. Yeah, because what he thinks he's gonna walk into in, right into into range, and then something rustles in the bushes by him, and when what does he say? Clever girl. Right, and then he gets eaten because he's so cool that the moment before he's eaten alive by a dinosaur, he's like, "Oh, she's pretty smart," you know. Like, who does that? Who has that moment of clarity before they're eaten alive? Nobody. But uh, but anyway, it's a, that moment especially has has really taken off among Velociraptor fans. You can get a shirt that says "Clever Girl" and has Velociraptor head on it. Yeah, so are they that clever? I'm not sure that they are, and that's our first cool awareness fact for the uh, for the Raptor Awareness Day. How smart are they? Well, paleontologists and, and some other folks like to use a, a measurement called the encephalization quotient. And an encephalization quotient is uh, a way to tell an animal's intelligence from the size of its brain, roughly. And why would we use this technique? Well, because, I mean, we can't really test the intelligence of dinosaurs now, can we? I mean, yeah, we can't put them in a cage and give them colored blocks or anything. Yeah, so the the EQ tends to uh, compensate for the fact that large animals tend to have proportionally smaller brains than small animals, regardless of intelligence. And the Velociraptor had an EQ of less than 0.2. So what does this mean to you? Probably not much. I mean, I'm not sure that you're talking about EQs on a regular basis at the dinner table. So to give you some some guidelines for that, humans roughly have an EQ of about 7. Your dolphins, pretty smart creatures, they have an EQ of about 4 or 5. And chimps, maybe about two. And once again, Velociraptor, point two. Yes, point two. But in their favor, I will say that uh, the Velociraptor may have been roughly comparable to the intelligence of an ostrich. And I have immense respect for the ostrich. Yeah, we read a bunch uh, about them recently um, for uh, the Life uh, TV show that's going to be airing, or is airing on Discovery. So Clever Girl, maybe not so much. All right. Well, uh, our second awareness fact uh, is the... uh, idea of a feathered raptor. Now, in uh, Jurassic Park, they do not have feathers. They're very leathery looking, you know. You're yeah, more kind of that greenish brown. Yeah, you're more typical typical dinosaur color scheme. Well, um, paleontologists at the American Museum of Natural History and the Field Museum of Natural History um, documented the presence of feathers in velociraptors in 2007. Uh, and if I back up for a second, I need to stress that the first velociraptor was found in 1971. Uh, in Mongolia, all right, uh, and uh, in 2000, this 2007 study was looking at um, one that they'd unearthed in Mongolia in 1998, and they found clear indications of quill knobs, and these are places where the quills of secondary feathers, uh, the f- the flight or um, or wing feathers of modern birds, were anchored to the bones with ligaments. All right, uh, quill knobs are also found in many living bird species, and are most evident in birds that are strong flyers. Um, so nobody's saying that the Velociraptor could fly. Basically, the idea here is that they they definitely had some feathers, and they were probably they probably just evolved from a a winged flying uh, right. form of dinosaur, and then eventually became more dependent on hunting on the land. But they likely kept the feathers around for other reasons. 
Yeah, like, you know, maybe to attract some ladies. Right. Always good to have some colorful plumage for that. Um, also, uh, temperature control. Um, the Roadrunner, the actual Roadrunner, not the cartoon Roadrunner, actually uses its feathers to regulate temperature by um, uh, deter- using them to determine how much uh, uh, heat it absorbs from the sun. Um, it also could have used them while running. The ostrich actually, you know, the ostrich has these little bitty, uh, seemingly pointless wings uh, and these enormous legs. What actually uses those little um, those little wings to steer and sort of um, balance itself while it's running at high speeds. And they think that might have been a, a possibility with the Velociraptor as well. I wonder if we should call this the Ostrich Awareness uh, Podcast instead. I think Ostrich Awareness Day is... It, it, it's it's in the future. Yeah, it's it's a little a little early for that, but one day, one day. So let me give you awareness fact number three: Velociraptors perhaps were warm blooded, and why might we think they were warm blooded? Well, um, because they were high energy hunters, and they also had the presence of feathers that Robert just talked us through. But another key thing is that they may have had these high powered oxygen pumps, right? Because if you're going to go on this, you know, super intense hunting expedition, what are you going to need? If you're going to chase down your prey, you're going to need oxygen, right? Mm-hmm. You're going to need to have an excellent respiratory system. So there are a bunch of researchers out of Ohio University who published a study in Nature, and they were theorizing that these high powered oxygen pumps in raptors could have boosted dinosaur metabolism enabling meat eaters like, you know, your T-Rex, your raptor, and others to be, you know, these very effective and active hunters. Mm-hmm. And a lot of this comes down to uh, air sacs in the bones. And they uh, they were able to they observe these air sac systems in like 200 different modern birds and then saw some of the same patterns with velociraptors. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, so for awareness fact number four, we're going to come back to those 3.5-inch uh, retractable claws. Previously, paleontologists thought that this, I mean, because you look at a giant claw and you think, like, gashing. It just looks like something you would just gash into something with and, like, uh, like just rip in three-foot abdominal gash, you know, blood uh, gushing out, right? Well, some researchers at the University of Manchester uh, in the U.K., led by Phil Manning, uh, actually built a robotic claw based on the fossil of a velociraptor. All That's right? pretty cool. Yeah, like a robotic velociraptor arm. Uh, with the claw, another group um, did a very similar thing with this saber toothed tiger. I think they did like a whole. There's like a whole special about this, a TV special where they built like this robot thing on the end of a crane with saber tooth teeth, and they would take it up to a dead cow and like just ram it in. And what you tell I me? I never saw that. Yeah, they did do one for sharks. Oh. I, yeah, where they simulate uh, the shark's bite to try and figure out how it works. And there's a scary amount of research going into how to build like robot killer animals. But uh, the whole purpose of this course is to actually test out this claw on uh, an actual, I think in this case it was a pig, yeah, a dead pig. All right, so they would use hydraulics to drive it into the side of the pig, uh, trying, you know, trying different velocities, mimicking a kick, um, and uh, they found that the claw would only really result in a puncture. So this uh, led to this theory that the velociraptor actually used these things to grip onto the prey. They would jump onto its back, like, um, you know, some sort of weird dinosaur cowboy, I guess, or, uh, <laughs> or like cheetahs actually do when running down an ostrich. Right, right. So they would just, they would just jump on, dig those, cl- those retractable claws into its side to hold on, and then just start biting. It just, uh, inflict a, a large number of, of wounds. And at this point, um, either they bring the animal down, or another theory is that they just wound it enough, and then they, they jump off, and then they just follow the animal until it sl- bleeds to death, enough, or it bleeds out so much that they can just pick it off. Oh, it's like the Komodo dragon exactly. that follow its, follows its prey for weeks and weeks yeah. and weeks. Yeah, we podcasted about that uh, a few weeks back. Yeah, we love Komodos. 
And Velociraptors. Yeah, Velociraptors pretty awesome. I mean, I love the Komodos, but uh, these guys really have them licked. So Phil Manning, the same guy who was working on that robotic claw, evidently had a a lot of time on his hand. And he he evidently is a a lover of Velociraptors, too, because he took the trouble to uh, find out if this hand claw that he made... um, could support the dinosaur's weight when it was climbing. And this is uh, awareness fact number five. Yeah, awareness fact number five. Thank you, Robert. And Manning suggested that the velociraptor used its climbing ability to uh, kind of lurk in the trees and perch in the trees. And then, you know, along comes some unsuspecting prey and whammo. Just leaps right out of the trees. I'm thinking we're going to see that in Jurassic Park 4. There's going to be a scene where a guy's out there hunting the tree, hunting, not hunting the trees, hunting the velociraptors, and he's looking around, where are they, right? And then he looks up, and then what is it? Nothing but velociraptors, just crowded in the trees like pigeons. Clever girls. Yep, and then they come down on him. Yeah, so Manning got the idea for velociraptors hanging out up in the trees, um, thanks to the microraptor, which is a tiny dinosaur in the same family, but which lived 50 million years before. And um, it also had four feathered limbs to help it glide down from trees. But not everyone is really sold on this climbing ability. Right, yeah. Basically, the counter-argument um, made by some paleontologist is that is that there weren't going to be as many trees around that the velociraptor would be able to climb, and that while it, then it, while it may have had some ancestors that climbed trees and jumped down on things, that, um, that it was really just using these more to anchor itself on its prey and bite, like we uh, were talking about in fact number four. So the trees couldn't support its weight. So I mean, maybe like a sequoia. Maybe if it climbed yeah, a sequoia. Yeah, I'm guessing like maybe other thicker trees. Either way, it's a fantastic mental image. So April 18th. Um, if you go to the Facebook page for, uh, uh, you know, just do a Facebook search for um, Velociraptor Awareness Day, you'll find uh, that they have a number of different uh, recommendations for ways to celebrate. Um, some of the ones we particularly like. Uh, uh, there's one where you just uh, read up on the latest info and be prepared to hold impromptu seminars on the streets. And I would just modify that to um, your break room, if, yes. if necessary, your elevator. Mm-hmm. Or maybe while you're driving you know, yeah. to work, you just roll down your window and talk to the guy next to you who yeah. stopped at the stoplight. Give him the facts that we mentioned here. Do a little independent research on the net. Um, and start you know, whipping out your dinosaur facts on, uh, on the train. People will love you. There also was another favorite that, that Robert and I liked, and uh, this one was... Um, Dress up. Dress up as a velociraptor. Yeah. You know, hold some mock attacks throughout the day to, to really... Uh, Especially in the workplace. Yeah, feel free to test out that climbing ability thing and tell us how that works out for you. And maybe that can add to uh, Phil, Man- Phil Manning's body of research. Perch up in the trees. Because mm-hmm. really, we're unprepared for it. Like he, like here at work, we do regular uh, like fire drills and all. But when's the last time we had a velociraptor drill? Never. Never had it. One could just come in here and just have the pick of us. It sure could. It sure could. Which is why Velociraptor Awareness Day is such a good idea. It is. It's an excellent idea. So, uh, if you're gonna, uh, if you're planning to celebrate in, in some way, shape, or form on April 18th, um, tell us about it. Did you have? Are you gonna have a Velociraptor party? Great. Take some photos. Shoot them our way. We'd love to see them. Yeah. If you're gonna dress up as a Velociraptor, please be sure yes. to send us the photos. Yes, definitely. And of course, you know how to do that. Send us an email at science stuff at howstuffworks.com. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com. Want more HowStuffWorks? Check out our blogs on the HowStuffWorks.com homepage.
I'm Saleha Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take D.C. on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleha Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Oh, hi. I'm Rachel Zoe, and my podcast, Climbing in Heels, is back and better than ever. You might know me from The Rachel Zoe Project, or perhaps from my work as a celebrity stylist. And guess what? I'm still just as obsessed with all things fashion, beauty, and business. Climbing in Heels is all about celebrating the stories of extraordinary women, and this season is here to bring you a weekly dose of glamour, inspiration, and fun. Listen to Climbing in Heels every Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. As important as choosing the right destination when traveling is choosing the right travel partner. Gene! Gene Fodor! Gene was wounded! But be careful, because the worst trips result when two partners have two different agendas. The CIA really need your help, Gene. Freeze, Americano! Gene, run! Listen to Fodor's Guide to Espionage on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.